Welcome back to the AZN Connection. My name is Jeffrey, and alongside with me is Rhea and John. In light of the attacks against our community, we at the AZN Connection want to have a discussion about this. The COVID-19 pandemic has seen an increase in attacks against members of our Asian community. An 84-year-old Thai man was murdered in San Francisco. A 91-year-old Asian American was attacked from behind, walking down the street of Oakland. A 64-year-old Vietnamese woman was assaulted in San Jose. A Filipino-American man was slashed in the face in Manhattan. Asian monuments and landmarks are getting vandalized all over the country. We at the Asian Connection condemn these actions. The point of creating this show was to highlight what it means to be an Asian in today's world. A big part of that is to encourage our community to amplify our voices. That is exactly what we are doing here today. So I would like to have some discussions about the reactions to some of the injustices that are going on right now. So I'll start off with you, John. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, where do you start? Whenever you see something like this happen in America, Canada, anywhere, it's just heartbreaking to see someone, you know, obviously I didn't know the victims, but it's heartbreaking whenever you hear just that people are being targeted for being a specific race. And, you know, unfortunately, it's it's something that's almost become, I don't want to say normal, but it's something that happens very often now, nowadays, especially with the pandemic. You know, these attacks have been happening even a year ago when the pandemic first came to uh, North America. And all I can say right now, my initial reaction is uh, I'm really heartbroken to see that this stuff still happens to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And Rhea, how about you? I, I agree. It's, although we've known that anti-Asian racism has existed for a long time, I think because of COVID-19, we're seeing it really spike and it's definitely hard to see it. I'm sure people have been seeing on their social media, or at least I hope they have videos of the victims getting attacked and it's really difficult to watch. And I can't help but also think about my own family when I see those and I start to kind of worry about, although it hasn't happened to my family yet, like, will it, right? Like, I can't help but be concerned about that. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that either. It's, it's definitely hard to see happening. And, and these conversations are definitely needed because I think a lot of people, unfortunately, have almost turned a blind eye to it and feel like these actions are justified. Absolutely. It's even more heartbreaking knowing that they're usually members of our elderly, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think the stem of the more of the recent attacks in the past year um, is due to the, the COVID-19 pandemic and, um, you know, have the Donald Trump labeling it as the China virus or the Chinese virus did yeah. not help at all. Um, I think part of this is due to, you know, the effects of this is due to fear mongering. Um, you know, for example, we think about 9-11 and the impact they had on Muslims. Like, you know, it's kind of like almost in some ways our turn that's the type of when in the discourse of conversations of injustices against uh different uh communities of color um 
but that and alongside of a, a huge level of ignorance um, has led to these these attacks and it's been really difficult to watch um, and I don't know about you guys but I haven't really seen much coverage of this like some of the attacks I didn't I still was even me consuming a lot of Asian media there was still some that slipped by me and that's just kind of sad no well I think like you were saying earlier people I don't I I hate to say this but people just they always try to find a scapegoat whenever things are not looking good so you brought up the 9-11 example and you know Muslims to this day still face a lot of problems when they go to the airport for example you could say the same about Asian people, like you're saying when Donald Trump labeled coronavirus the China virus, it caused a lot of people to stereotype Asian people and not even just stereotype, but taking it further and acting on you know, discrimination and, and racism and attacks of violence. So I feel like it's just something that happens, unfortunately, in, if you look at historical situations in other countries even. And I mean, yeah, the news coverage, I think, is one of the most disappointing parts of this entire situation, because as, you know, media members of different mediums in the field, and especially going to journalism school, too, you're taught about truth, objectivity, you know, you're, you're taught that the news is supposed to defend people that can't be defended, and then you look at the Canadian news media outlets and I, I can't even think of much coverage on this topic at all, especially the past week. I watch the six o'clock news every day with my family and I can't recall one story on CTV news, CP24, nothing mentioned these attacks in the States. And I mean, sure, you can say it's just something that happens in the States, but let's be real. These things happen in Canada too. It's just that they're not being picked up by the media. So I don't want to put the whole blame on the media, but the media certainly has, they have an obligation to report on these type of things. Yeah. And that's crazy because, you know, I haven't really heard any stories within Canada, but I'm sure it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. So- it's happening. And I just want to speak on like non-mainstream media that I have seen covering it, for example, in my own workplace in Canada. I don't I think it's definitely been like swept under the rug almost like in B.C. The reports are saying that there's like a 900 percent increase on anti-Asian hate crimes in Vancouver alone. And I have not seen anyone talk about this on mainstream at all. I'm pretty sure I, I think this is also in Vancouver that they had to have the Am I Racist campaign where like advertisements were all over the city trying to combat internalized racism but where is that coverage in mainstream why is it so hard to find those stories in mainstream media well that is an important question i do not understand why there hasn't been any coverage like well i I don't want to bring up any specific examples to um i guess save face for the people that i've uh encountered But just in my experience in journalism school with uh, predominantly white professors, I'm not saying that they're racist. Let's be clear, because I don't know. But whenever you bring up Asian stories, there have been a few professors that have really said that, yeah, that's a good idea. We need to talk about those issues. Yeah, 
that that I mean that is true. I've experienced that too when I try to pitch a story. Um, and I even like the response I had for one prof. Uh, it's like, where's the news value in that? Mm. When I was, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, yeah, you get that a lot. And it's like, you sometimes you do question. This is why I somewhat understand why people some some people question the mainstream media, because are they really trying to tell the stories of the communities, or do they have a specific agenda in terms of bringing ratings? You know, that's a difficult that's another conversation in itself about the how the media industry works. But yeah, something like this should be on the news, um, and it's for me the only time I've ever seen a lot of these coverages are from social media especially with a, a new an instagram page like the neck shark uh big shout out to them they are a big in case people don't know they're a big ig account that speaks on asian issues uh the leading source for asian american news and they have done a good pretty good job in reporting on as many stories as they can and the videos have been really hard to watch but they need to be seen because it, that's how in some ways like even comparing it to like say the George Floyd situation when people saw that video even though people were aware that things like that were happening seeing that visual from at least from my observation uh, made the discussion reach another level you know and now visually seeing a lot of these anti-Asian attacks now it's like almost a reality like yeah this shit is really happening for some people it's eye-opening for some people um and that's why we're here to talk about that because it's really important i mean look at it this way i just just had me thinking you know if our profs in journalism school i'm not not that they were discouraging stories but if they're questioning sort of our asian stories that we want to bring to light in the media then you can only imagine what actual news editors and you know people in the field perceive these stories and how you know they question the news value. You know, if if our profs are doing it, then certainly the people at the next level are too. Definitely. And it goes back to like this is another conversation entirely. Like, where's the diversity and representation in mainstream media. If there's not enough representation, then the right stories for people of color will not be covered. Yeah. And going back to the ratings conversation, I think as an editor, maybe you want to write those stories that are going to get that traffic. And maybe it's just that people either aren't searching for these stories or Asian communities like ourselves aren't asking for these stories more to be covered. So I think that's a big part that we need to play in is that we need to say, hey, you guys need to cover this because it's happening. And it's important that we have Asian people reporting and speaking up for things that are happening in our community because we are from a culture that typically before would not speak up on things, kind of like brush it to the side. And in terms of like the, the anti-Asian attacks, this isn't new we've been discriminated in the past in North America when we think about historically talk going back to World War II and Japan and internment camps to the present day. We've had this happen, but I think this is the first time I've really seen, in my view, more Asians speaking up on it. And it's been really great to see. 
Well, I think part of it is because we have that platform now, right? With social media, we're able to connect to so many different people around the world. And it just enables more people to speak out on issues like this. But I think a big problem that we have in our society right now is that almost when we try to speak out on these issues, there's going to be people that discourage these conversations for one way or another, for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. That's actually the topic I was going to lean toward because as much as it's great that we as Asians are speaking up more, it can't be just us speaking up on the Asian issues. We need people from other communities to speak up on our issues too. You know, we a big shout out to AOC. She's someone who spoke up against anti-Asian racism. I know a few other notable people. I mean, Olivia Munn, she's half Asian. So that, but she spoke up and that's a prominent voice. Uh, the tennis player. Um, Naomi Osaka. No, Naomi Osaka. Yeah, she spoke out. And people, more people are, but we really need the, the help of other communities. Um, but I guess this comes to the other side of that conversation is, you know, sometimes there is a bit of a resist for other communities to speak up on our issues because we as a community haven't spoken up on their issues. And I think that is a fair criticism because that speaks to what we were just saying. Like we just haven't spoke up on any injustices, period. Mm-hmm. But doing something like this is the start of what we should be doing as a community, just talking about it. Because before we were not even talking about it at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a fair criticism to have. I think if you want more people to speak out about these injustices, well, you shouldn't talk about just one type of injustice you know whether it's to any sort of community religious racial i think we all have to stand up for each other because we're not going to get anywhere if we're just standing up for our own community and then other communities are saying hey why aren't you standing up for us well you're not standing up for us and then it's just going to be this back and forth where we're all just standing up for each other, for our own communities and not for each other, which that's what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's terrible because then it gets to the game where we're like saying, oh, but you guys go through more injustices. Like you, we, we, we have it harder. And then we play this oppression Olympics and that's the, we get even more and more divided. Like to me, I was in a conversation with some people in the clubhouse and um, someone said this beautiful general line saying something in the lines of like, uh, right now we are minorities, but if we work together, we are the majority, right? And let's, let's be real honest about these things. Like, I think the reason why we're divided, a part of that is because of the white institutions of power, because... For example, uh, a topic that we're going to continuously talk about within this show is the idea of the model minority myth. And the model minority myth is something that was created to highlight the successes of, let's be honest, our Asian immigrants who worked hard and use that against the other communities, especially the black community, and say, these are the good these are the good minorities. You guys are lazy. You got to perpetuate the stereotype and creates this divide. You know, that's why some people have said, oh, Asian people are kind of like white people. And it's just like it, all these, all the, all of this just creates divide and we should be working together. 
in solidarity to speak up. We speak up on their injustices and hopefully they speak up on our injustice as well, you know? So you touched on the model minority myth and that kind of reminds me of like an interview that I did with somebody who who wrote about it and, and wrote like a confessions about of a modern model minority myth. And she really drove home the point that like it became kind of a coping mechanism for a lot of the Asian community. Like it was almost a thing where if you just believed in it, like if you just worked hard and and kept your head down, like nothing bad would happen to you. But that kind of all falls apart when you see that Asian people are still getting attacked right now. And she kind of brought up the point that it, it needs to be more inclusive. Like we need to get rid of that myth and start working on making your activism inclusive. So it's not a, like not so divided. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it reminds me of the, the, the Yappy show again from Wong Fru where they highlight this. Um, it's, in some ways us kind of like doing what quote unquote is the right thing is hurting our community mm-hmm. because we live we choose to live in a bubble right we inherently whether we know it or not like becomes ignorant to the rest of the world when we only focus on our objectives and that was again things that were ingrained you know into us i as a journalist you know i am really really like part of the motivations of me being a journalist is to try to, my best to speak up on all injustices that go on in the world. Obviously me as an Asian, I want to speak up on Asian issues, but injustices everywhere in, especially in the black community, indigenous and in all the other communities. Uh, I do want to share a story actually, just in terms of the Asian side where I actually uh, experienced a bit of anti-Asian racism too. A story in Canada because you know, again, the the Canadian stories aren't talked about at all. But it, I mean, it was just a very quick one in terms of I was just walking to uh, the grocery store in Walmart, and this guy in a white truck he drives by. He says, "Go back to China," and I didn't even like see who who he was because he drove away quick. And it's just like, I don't, I don't, I was, I didn't even have much of a reaction. I wasn't even like, I don't know. I'm used to that type of stuff growing up. And I mean, in comparison to what these people have experienced, it's, it's just a verbal attack, but still like, it just highlights the level of interest that people have, you know? For sure. And I think a lot of Asians in general have a story similar to that. I know my mom, for example, she experienced something like that when she first came to Canada in the 90s like i believe the story off the top of my head is that she was on the bus and then some guy on the bus told her hey you should go back to your country and farm rice that was one of them and then i can just think recently i have one of my mom's friends in the states she had a similar experience where she went to a grocery store and this was like peak fear of covid times like last february january where everyone was really fearing this new virus, people in the grocery store were telling her to go back to her own country. And I think it speaks on a broader issue of how it's really dangerous to live your life in a bubble, like not even in terms of like a health bubble, for example, it's more like a social and I guess perspective bubble where you live your life the way you were you know, brought up you read the same media every day, I think it's a big problem. Like you look at Google News, for example, you can 
you can curate it to your interests. So while you're reading things that you're interested about, you're not reading about what's happening in other countries, other communities. And I think in a broader sense, it's dangerous to just live your life with the principles that you're taught from your family, because a lot of racism and discrimination is brought up from, you know, it's, it's taught almost like I can think of examples where I've communicated with people in the States and you would be surprised at the stuff they're like, just casually saying it's, it's actually crazy. So part of it, I think is number one, we have to sort of try to break out of those bubbles that we're in, in terms of media, we have to consume, break that cycle. We got to consume more media. And I think too, I, I just wish people could be more open to different ideas. You know, the way you live your life isn't necessarily, you know, the right or, you know, just the one way of living life or viewing life in general. I think there's so many different perspectives that people can be exposed to, but they're just not open to it because I'm focused on the discrimination that my people are facing, for example. And I I don't want to like generalize that either because there are people that are open to looking at all these issues in all sorts of ways. But I think the main thing is that we can't live our lives in a bubble because if we do that, we're just going to be ignorant to everything that we don't care about. Absolutely. And you know, when we speak up on our injustices, we're promoting Asian pride. Like how can you be proud of your heritage when you don't speak up on things that are happening against your own community? Um, something I've noticed in conversations recently, and this has given me some hope in that we are getting better as a community. Um, in the Black community, they promote a lot of Black love, Black pride, you know, our kings and queens, that type of terminology. And I've always found that really cool and empowering. And I always felt that that was not something that we typically had before. But recently in conversations, you know, uh, I've heard things like, you know, we are Asian kings, we need to uplift our Asian queens, you know, promoting Asian pride, right? And I think that's a good sign. And that's something that we should encourage more, like, because we need to be part of speaking up on our justices is being proud of who we are. Like, we don't want our people to be disrespected. We don't want our people to be discriminated. So, um, and exactly, I mean, this is exactly why we do this show, because we are proud to be Asian and we want better for our, our community. You know, we have so many great people in our community ready to do great things in the world. We're smart people, you know, we've got a lot of talent, you know, and uh, we got to uplift each other, especially in times like this. For sure. It's, it's not just, you know, Asians, Black people, white people, any color of you, you want to pick. It's not just these people living on the world. It's all of us. And if we want to find a way to coexist on this planet, you know, without completely combusting into some sort of civil war or, you know, in a grand scheme of things like a racial war, I think we have to take a hard look at ourselves and really think if we're actually doing anything to help other communities, like we were saying earlier. So something that I've seen on social media is that 
when there was attacks on the Jewish community, for example, there was one Instagram person that I follow and I'm not going to name them, but they in particular, they're saying like, oh, everybody's talking about Black Lives Matter, standing up for Black issues, but no one's talking about the Jewish community. And I can understand the frustration that she has because, you know, people aren't too vocal about the Asian community. But I think if you're going to approach it in a sense where, hey, you have to talk about this too, don't just talk about Black Lives Matter. I think that's a really toxic way to go about your activism because you're just going to say, as a person viewing it, even for myself, I'm like, well, if you're putting out hate because people aren't talking about these issues, I think it's the wrong way to go about it. I think it starts out with saying, hey, this is an issue. I'm letting you know that, you know, we should talk about this more instead of saying, why isn't anyone talking about this? I think that's the wrong way to go about it for sure. That goes back to what we were talking about before. That's the cycle and the, again, the oppression Olympics and just comparing and yeah, we in order to have meaningful dialogue, we just need to like remove our egos, you know, be ready to take accountability for our actions if we've hurt other communities in ways we might not even be aware and listen, you know, listening to different people's experiences and stories, you know, that's the best way to learn. And I think too, not that I want to put down people that did this, because I know a lot of people did this, including myself, but there's a difference between actually talking about these issues, you know, and taking part in activism versus just doing a social media post, reposting on your story, putting a, you know, blackout Tuesday, for example, if you participate in that, I mean, that's good for awareness, but at the end of the day, real activism is talking about these issues, you know, showing up to rallies, obviously safely in the COVID times, but I think we got to sort of shed the narrative on, you know, sort of token activism because that, while it is a way to sort of get the issues out there, I think in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people, they're just going to like tap through on their stories until they see it maybe like the 10th, 11th time. And I even catch myself doing this sometimes where I'm like, okay, wait, this is something that's happening. But when you just see those posts over and over, I, I think I want to see more people do something about these things. It's not just enough. I don't think it's enough in this social climate to just repost. I think you, if you want to take real action, speak out like we're doing right now or donate to these causes. You don't have to make a social media post about yourself donating on these causes, but you do it for your community. You do it for other communities. I have a question for both of you guys. You guys can answer. Um, obviously, there's been a lot, and I can, I'll speak for myself actually on this, is you, know, you see a lot. I consume a lot of media of the injustices. Like, How do you balance like learning about these different injustices but also protecting your mental health? Because it can be intense. A lot of the stories are really hard to watch, especially some of the videos and constantly consuming that, you know, that can take a toll on yourself and your mood and how you feel. Well, I think that's part of the reason why whenever something happens like this, you know, people tend to stay away off social media because it's just 
I don't want to speak for everybody because obviously everyone has a different experience with social media, but I guess for myself, when I hear that this stuff happens, it's almost like you, you don't want to see the graphic stuff happening because it's, it, it's a lot to watch, but I think it's important to still acknowledge that it did happen and that something, something needs to change. You know, some people need to speak out. So it's definitely hard to balance your mental health while also knowing that the world is literally going to shit for lack of better words. But honestly, I, I couldn't even give you a real answer because I don't even know if I can balance it very healthily myself without completely shutting off my socials and not going on there at all. For some people, this is probably not going to help with their mental health, but it, it does do something for me is that when I see these types of injustices with no matter what community it is, I think having a conversation with your family about it and people that you trust has really helped me to not be in my head about it and, and able to, you're able to like talk it out with somebody, hear other people's perspectives. I find that has helped me in the smallest way, but I think just anything, having a conversation about these issues has helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you find it easy to have, to talk to your parents about these type of stuff? I'm very lucky where I have parents that I can have these conversations with very easily. I'm going to have to say the opposite. I've had conversations before and I'm pretty sure my mom and dad are listening to this podcast uh, right now. I, I tend to don't have these conversations anymore with them because it, it oftentimes I feel like there's just a gen generational gap or divide there where we don't necessarily see everything the same way. Because I'm very, as you guys probably know now, I'm very much of the mind where I'm very open to taking in a bunch of different issues from a variety of different angles and really analyzing for myself, you know, what to believe in and what to support. So, you know, I don't want to speak for my parents, but there's just sometimes that gap where you're not going to necessarily, I guess make them understand how you feel or how I felt in my experience. So I just tend to, I save those conversations more so for my friends because in a way we're similar minded where we can talk about these issues from a similar perspective. And I mean, it's, I, I definitely don't think it's uh, something that like hurts my relationship with my parents. Cause at the end of the day, they're still my parents, but I think it's definitely worrisome that, you know, our generation can still have a divide with the older generation on these issues because the reality of the things is that not everyone is going to see things the same way. Our experiences shape our opinions and our view on the world. And I think for me anyways, I embrace the fact that there are going to be differences in opinion and it's okay. It's not necessarily, I guess, healthy to force your opinion on someone else. I think that's a big reason why there's racism and discrimination in this world. It's because people are insistent on forcing people to think of things one way. Well, this was something I talked about with an, in the Richard Tran interview, but just 
the brief version of what he said was essentially all of our elders, you know, and this is something I noticed because, uh, you know, I was watching the American media and I was like surprised to see this when I first saw it was um, there are a lot of um, people in our Asian community who support Trump. Um, And the reason for that, from what he explained, we can uh, briefly talk about here as well is like um, they escaped communist regimes, you know, and I'm actually speaking, especially for my Vietnamese people. There are a lot of Vietnamese Trump supporters. They they come into they come to America, and they feel like the Republican Party are the only party that is anti uh, anti China, and that's why they support that. And I was just like, wow, like I see what they're coming from, but also at the same time, like it's Trump, you know? Like, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, come on, like. I don't want to say it, but do I have to? It's a lot of things. But he's, but he's, <laughs> he's a lot of things, yeah. <laughs> that's them, that's a better like, way to put it. But to them, like they're like he's anti-China, meaning he's anti-communist, meaning he's he wants to keep jobs in America instead of outsource it to China, and that's the thing that they focus on. It's, yeah, it's definitely a difference in perspective. Uh, that they want to focus on that other than the many other issues you could point out. Yeah. And then that, that's, that, then that's why sometimes Asian people, the community as a whole gets a bad rep because of uh, that, that turnout. Cause you know, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I saw those, when I first saw it before learning more about it, like, I was like, wow, like why would they support Trump? You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it actually kind of annoyed me, especially since, you know, a lot of them are Vietnamese. I was kind of, I don't know, I felt frustrated seeing that. But. I, I feel that too, because I know, I'm not going to say, but like, I have family in America yeah, who unfortunately are also Trump supporters. And it's so frustrating to see like their social media posts and to see them kind of blindly trust this man for whatever th- reason. I'll say this. I think it's important when, you know, when you talk about politics, because generally you don't, you shouldn't talk about politics because there's always going to be a difference in opinion and things will get heated. I think it's important to separate someone's politics from, I guess, your family members, for example. So like I was saying earlier with, you know, my parents and then our differences in opinion on social issues, for example, I think it's important to, if you want to keep your relationships healthy with family members is to separate those things. Because at the end of the day, like I was saying earlier, I mean, I don't want to justify people supporting Trump because I, I, I don't support Trump at all. But I think the important thing to note is, like Jeff was saying, is that there are these circumstances that influence these decisions or these opinions. And I mean, we can agree to disagree. I think that's, that's the main thing. You know, growing up, right, like like a lot of kids, you know, we look at politics, it's like it's boring, boring, boring. Um, but as I got older and then consuming it, uh, consumed a lot more me- uh, politics, part of that actually being going to school in Ottawa, literally, like politics yeah. is everywhere, even in student uh, council and all that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. But when you really realize, what I really realized is how childish politics actually is in terms of the pettiness the like i think i've said this before but i'll say it again like remember in elementary school 
we were taught like this character traits of what makes a good human like empathy responsibility yeah the, the golden it, rule mm-hmm. all yeah. of that and it's really funny because it seems as though like they don't care about any of that like they're literally the, the those traits are not applied in politics because they're especially uh, with these days with how divided politics is and the pettiness and the no one's listening to each other and that's why there's the divide is getting bigger and bigger and that's why we seems like nothing is actually getting done and the more ignorance is created and that's why all that's why people view politics as frustrating to you know listen to and consume and it's it's a lot you know (laughs) yeah i mean i was even having those thoughts you know, just as like an 11 year old, 12 year old watching the news, I'm like, this is a lot of bullshit sometimes. And a lot of the time, it's just about the opposition party, just trying to find some sort of way to criticize the party in power. And then you think, well, if you have time to criticize, then what would you do in this situation, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I don't want to get too political here, because that's not what we're talking about. But I think, in general, I think the most dangerous thing about this is that people just find ways to generalize and i think generalizations they're going to lead to really toxic discussions often leading to you know hate and uh, resentment and i think it's just in general generalizations they discourage healthy dialogue like we're having today for example you know we're able to have this conversation and we're able to do so because we're all open to a bunch of different ideas. But when you have certain communities saying, Hey, we have to talk just about this issue. I think that's the most dangerous thing that we can have. I think we need to shine light on all of these injustices that we're facing as the, as you know, whether you're the Asian community, the black community, I mean, I don't know if the white community is facing issues, but if they did, then sure. Let's shine light on them too. That's, what I think needs to happen if in a perfect world, I guess these issues are to be solved one day. But I mean, in reality, I I can't help but be cynical and say that I don't think it's something that can be solved in 10 years, a hundred years, a thousand years. It's going to be an ongoing struggle for a long time. Right. And this, this comes full circle. So this relates to just what we were talking about earlier. But the fact that the mainstream media is not covering our stories, that's why it's important for people like us, the youth, to create the platforms that tell the stories um, and be the voices of change because they're not going to talk about it, unfortunately. Um, And that's why we need to, like doing a show like this, having these discussions are so, so, so important. And um, we at the Asian Connection are going to continue this conversation as we, you know, as more stories come in, we're going to report on it. Uh, we, we plan on bringing more people to further the discussion in certain, especially on certain points. I think today's discussion was more of a general thoughts on uh, the injustices that are going on, but there are so many topics that we need to dive into within our community. I mean, I know our podcast doesn't get too much traction yet. I mean, I'm just being realistic with the numbers here, but I hope that this podcast sort of inspires 
other people to speak about, you know, these injustices, because, you know, regardless, we're going to talk about these things as they happen. And we're going to give you guys our thoughts, try to contextualize the process. But I think in general, I want to see more people talk about these things besides, you know, go further than the social media post, go further than, you know, the repost of someone else's story. I think if we start to do that, maybe we can fester a healthier society and a healthier, I guess, outlook on, you know, talking about these issues because it it doesn't happen enough, especially in the Asian community. We obviously see it from very prominent figures, but maybe it will make a difference if the everyday people like ourselves, you know, maybe the listeners or viewers watching this right now, if we take solidarity and say, hey, we need to speak up about these issues. I think that's important. And I hope it inspires, you know, if we can do it, then I hope it inspires, you know, the larger media outlets to talk about it too. Whether that's the CBCs of the world, you know, Toronto Star, whatever. I just hope that it opens up the conversation on a brighter scale. Absolutely. And uh, again, like I said, we are going to bring in more guests to talk about the specific topics, um, whether it's the model minority myth or just our relations between the Asian community and other communities. So yeah, thank you so so much for listening to this episode, The Asian Connection. Check us out on Apple Music or Spotify. Uh, Follow us on social medias. And uh, yeah, have a good day.